Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from John chapter 1, verses 14 to 18. It can be found on page 6 of your bulletin. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Good morning. I'm Yancey, one of the pastors here. It's my delight to open up God's word to you this morning. You know, in John's day, as it is in ours, this question about who is God has always been there. And it was a very appropriate question. This question is about what he calls the word or the logos, the divine logos here as in, in scripture. And it touched on the the truth of what John is getting at here. But some ancient writers, they declare that the word, you know, is omnipresent wisdom, or they said that it's a, it's a thought, or it's in the mind of God, or the agent of creation. John records for us here that it's the revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So the first 18 verses here in, in, first, in uh, John's gospel make up the prologue in which he shares about the God of grace and the God of truth, the true logos, the word. Today we will focus on this thesis around this prologue, verses 14 through 18, to help us to see afresh, accept, and rejoice together in Jesus, our divine Savior. So let's take a moment and pray. Father, enlighten our minds to see more of you. God, we need you today. We need to be refreshed by you. We need to believe in you afresh this morning, Father, where there are doubts. We pray that you bring clarity, that we can hold on to your truth. We need the confidence that comes by your grace to trust in the truth about your son, Jesus Christ. And in his name we pray. Amen. You know, on Friday, Crystal and I celebrated our anniversary. Ten glorious years. Ten glorious years. So that day we went out and we talked about many things. And we had to address the funk that was going on. There was some funk going on the past couple of months. Uh, and so, you know, I added that there seems to be funk around this time of the year uh, you know, from the past 10 years. It's like, I wonder what's up with that. And she quickly said, well, you can throw in holidays and birthdays too. I said, true. <laughs> we both realized that the common theme, you know, that we attempt to be truthful to one another when correcting and rebuking each other. But we also recognize that the truth hurts a lot more when it's not seasoned with grace in our dispositions and in our actions as well. So you don't have to be married to come to that conclusion. It is, is, it, is it really truth if it doesn't contain an ounce of grace? 
is grace really grace if it doesn't contain the truth? So John is bringing us here to, to see and understand in this text that God is, is a God of truth who is revealed in his son, Jesus Christ. Verse 18, we see uh, John writes here that no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side has made him known. God lives in unapproachable light. He's inaccessible to us. He's inaccessible to the eyes. No one has seen him, nor can see him. To see him is to cease to exist. God has disclosed himself at various times and in various ways throughout, throughout history and throughout scripture. He spoke to, to Moses out of the cloud. His voice was so terrifying that the Israelites asked Moses to speak with them instead of God. He has come to others like Elijah, and he spoke with a whisper to him. In Daniel 3, he appears in the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar looked into the fire and, and said a fourth person is walking around with them, one who looked like a son of God's. The three men came out untarnished. There was not even a smell of smoke in their garments. Moses requested to see God. He, he said, God, show me your glory. He clearly stated that no man has ever seen his face and lived. He put Moses in the cleft of a rock and disclosed his back to Moses. Moses' face shone so brightly with the glory of, of, of the Lord through that encounter that the Israelites asked him to veil his face. Eventually, the transitory glory faded. For us, for you, for those who are in Christ, the revealed glory of God in our lives does not fade. It is permanent and ever-increasing glory as we are being transformed more and more into his likeness. It may feel as if your glory fades at times whenever you encounter challenges in this life, or may it be some doubts or cynicism, because there are different truths out there that you're, uh, you're challenged to believe in. There are lies out there, too, that mask themselves as the truth. You know, recently my uncle passed away. It was a tragic accident. It, it was something that shook our entire family. So this question came up over and over again. Lord, where are you? Are we safe here? You know, because he was on the side of the road changing a tire, and a car came out of nowhere, it seemed, and, and took him out. So this question is real. But Jesus is at the farthest side, and Jesus has made known the wisdom of God, the location of God. He is compassionate and merciful still, and he is faithful, even in the face of tragedy. Since God reveals himself to us and by Christ alone, we should seek all things from Christ, even when it's challenging to do so. He is truth everlasting. So we must recognize Jesus as who he is, the God of truth. We must receive Jesus' fullness. We must revel in Jesus, for at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. So let's recognize the Savior together. John writes, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. 
John bore witness about him and cried out. And that's the John the Baptist. This was him. This was he of him, whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. The word here is Jesus, the person of the divine reason, the creator and sustainer of all things, the incarnate son of God in flesh. John states at the beginning of his gospel that he was in the beginning, means that he was eternal, making things happen. And he was God, and he was with God, and he was God from the beginning. Jesus is God, and from him and through him and to him are all things. He receives glory because he is God. The astounding fact that John is bringing uh, out here is that God became mortal man in Jesus. God who made all things took on the nature of one of his creatures. As a person, you may feel really special that God decided to become man. There's, there was nothing special about us that God would do this other than his love for us. When, we, when God took on flesh in the person of his son, he did not cease being God. He remained the d- divine ruler and sustainer of all things when he became man. He is 100% God and 100% man. Jesus is clearly seen and recognized in the flesh. He lived and walked as you do and I do. He ate. He ate things. He, he, he played with things. He laughed. He, he did things with his friends. He had friends. To use an Old Testament word here and metaphor, he tabernacled among us. This reminds us of the tabernacle that was set up in Moses' day that God commanded them to set up so that God's presence was well with his people there in the tabernacle. No longer was God in a tent or temple here, but he took up residency in a body like yours and like mine. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. The glory of Jesus referred to here are his works and acts of miracle. There are not enough books to hold the many acts that Jesus did while he was on earth. Whatever he did do, it was clearly seen that he acted in line with the glory of his father. Speaking the words given from the father and doing the works of the father. So the dead were raised, the blind received their sights, people were healed, many miracles happened, the lame walked. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. We know the character and the nature of God through Jesus. He was, he's full of grace. He's full of truth. God dispenses his grace out of his nature. He was gracious to, when he created the world and everything in it. He's gracious when he, he sustains life. He's gracious to you and, and me when, when, when we clearly do not deserve it. That is grace. Unmerited favor towards you and towards me because we haven't done anything to deserve it. Instead of giving us what we do deserve, he gives us his grace through his precious promises, through the truth of his promises, so that we would know the fullness of his grace, namely through Christ. Christ is the promised Messiah of God. So he's like his father. You know, when I was in high school, my, my cousin gave birth to a, a baby boy. You know, we were in high school together, and the dad was another schoolmate of ours. 
And, you know, Im- immediately he, he took responsibility. He, he got in there and began to take care of his baby. He stepped right into fa- fatherhood 100%. The baby grew older, and people were suspicious because the, the baby looked less like Tony. He didn't even care about that. But Tony didn't care about the hearsay. He stayed in there committed and confident that the child was his. A few years later, as the baby began to become older and, and, and grow, and be, his face began to fill out more and more, Tony recognized that, wait a minute, this, this is the baby that I spent time with and that I committed to raising, but the baby looks less and less like me. But the truth is, the baby looked just like another young man. He looked like John. So Tony took it upon himself to take a blood test to know for sure, and it came back negative. The truth was realized. According to the DNA, the boy's father is John. Jesus, who became mortal man, looks like his dad. It was no mistaken that he was the one and only son of his father. He walked like his dad. He talked like his dad. He had divine power to do miracles like his dad. There was no other man like Jesus. He was the exact imprint of his father's nature. So when you see him, you recognize that Jesus is like none other. None other. When you look in the mirror of your life, do you walk like your heavenly father? Do you look like him in your attitude and in your character and the way that you do your neighboring? Do you parent like him? Is your character like him as you parent? Is your life as a single man or woman marked by the grace and truth from heaven? Is anyone, if anyone is in Christ, the new has come and the old is gone. Even though you're still in the same flesh, Your new nature is that of Christ. Because of this, you can recognize the change that God has made in your life by his grace. There may be times when you look at yourself and and you don't recognize Jesus. You may feel as if Jesus is far from you. You may feel as if your life doesn't look like his life. The truth is that there is nothing that will be able to separate you from the love of God. God is deeply committed to you. God is deeply committed to make you more like the son that he loved. So let's receive this truth afresh and rest in that grace. So we must receive Jesus. For from his fullness, as verse 16 says, from, for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus. We must receive Jesus because he first received us. Through the fullness of the gospel, we receive the abundant flow of grace. Jesus is the conduit. He is a way to the Father. His grace never runs out. Whenever we use up grace, guess what? There is more grace that he gives unto us. You can't stop the ever-flowing grace. It's like the lab rat who pushes the lever to receive more sugar water. You know, it's sweet and delicious. 
and he's banking that it never runs out. Jesus is sweeter and more satisfying than life itself. He is the word of life, the source. This is how David puts it in Psalm 119. Your promise is well tried. Your servant loves it. I'm small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Your righteousness is righteous forever, and your law is true. Trouble and anguish found me out, but your commandments are my delight. Your testimonies are righteous forever. Give me understanding that I may live. God gave his law through Moses. Moses could only share with us what God required from his law. This was precious of God to do. This was gracious of God to do. The law had stipulations. It had blessings and it also had cursing, curses. Again, gracious of God to give it to us. He knew that we needed this during that time. We needed his law to understand how to live. But Paul puts it clear. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under law. It imprisoned us. It convicted us until faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith, by faith in Christ and not by the law. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under the guardianship of the law. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. This is God's grace we have received. Christ is better than, than the mediator Moses. God's law is good, righteous, and holy, but the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. He is our truth. He fulfills the law, and through him only can we receive the ever-flowing grace upon grace upon grace. You know, a friend of mine received a, a stipend of $35,000. He went on, it, it was a grant for his sabbatical for three months. You know, the, the, you know, if he didn't use the money, it was going to have to go back to, to the grantor. You know, my friend, you know, he and his family, they lived very simple lives. You know, and, and they just lived off his low earning salary. The family could barely exhaust the money based on their lifestyle and had to work hard to think of how to spend that much money in such a short time. Even after their vacation and treating their kids to their desires, they still had a lot of money. It is as if it would never run out. You may be thinking that it would be easy to spend this money if you had it, right? You can think of some things to do with it. And they finally, you know, through hard work and being creative, they finally spent the last dollar on the last day allotted. You may be in position, my friend. You have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but now you don't know how to spend him up. He gives you grace upon grace, and you are preoccupied with working to earn your keep. You have taken the stance of abiding by God's law in order to receive Jesus never stopping favor towards you. If you could work for it, it would not be grace, would it? You would have earned it. And as we just read, it's impossible to, for us to keep God's law. 
It's impossible for us to do. Our funds were depleted. And we could never earn our way to God. And we know that inwardly, don't we? We know that we have fallen short of his glory. We know that things are not the way they're supposed to be in this life. The old life may be appealing at times because you may feel like you're in power or in control because you believe that earning your keep is the right thing to do. That God wants you to have that type of responsibility to win his favor. And we know that's far from the truth. In John 1.12, he says, but to all who receive him, this free gift of grace, this free savior of the world, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, not of the will of man or flesh, but of God. You were born again, not by your own will. You didn't have anything to do with it. It was decided already from the foundation of the world in love in Christ. If you have been born of the Spirit, what reason do you have now to act as if you have to appeal to God's grace? He dispenses it freely in Christ. You will receive it. It's by grace that we recognize Jesus as God. It's by grace that we receive him. This is good news for, for, for us today because God has given his free gift. Will you receive it? And I hope that you will. And I hope that you will go on receiving it and inviting Christ into areas of your lives. I hope you will go on looking to him as the only sufficient one who can bring you out of your troubles. I hope that you will go on and revel in this truth about Jesus. Let's revel in him. You know, verse 18 says, you know, Jesus is at the Father's side. He's made him known. Jesus has made him known to us. We know that the Father is what he's like through, through the life of Jesus, through the truth of Jesus. Jesus said things like, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He sits at the right hand of the Father. The psalmist proclaims in Psalm 16, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. At your right hand, pleasures forevermore. We learn from Philippians 4 that we are to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. We just sang about that. And we became glad in our hearts, didn't we? Because we have reason for rejoicing. God has paid it all. Or even from Zephaniah, we, we see that, you know, the, the Lord, your God, is with you. Zephaniah said he's a mighty warrior to save you. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Like many of you, you know, each night I have my routine, my bedtime routine. And it includes tucking my kids into bed. It happens around 7.30 at night. Even though I've given them a hug and a kiss, they will ask for another. Then they will ask me to sing over them. Most nights, they make their selections, and I begin with something simple like, you know, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus up above. Thank you for the truth you give us. Thank you, Jesus, 
for your love. Amen. Very simple, wasn't it? Very soothing. <laughs> but it can be simple as that, saying, saying thank you to the Lord. But I know that, you know, they enjoy that, even if I'm terribly out of tune and forget words to the songs. Uh, but it's my sheer delight. I can hardly say no when they ask. God is not out of tune, is he? He's very tuned to us. His song over you is love, grace, truth, and mercy. He revels in you. Jesus is at the Father's side. He is the joy, and he has brought pleasure to his Father. With this, you can revel in Jesus. So what are you going to do? What are you going to delight in today? What has made it difficult for you to let go and to enjoy the truth of God? What brings you down at times that slips in there and steals your joy from this truth about Jesus and what he's done for you? Has someone cut in and, and, and stole your joy? We know it can be the simplest lie that we tell ourselves. We turn it in on ourselves at times. No one loves me. No one really cares. I have to seek my own pleasures in life instead of waiting on God. And that's the hardest thing, to wait on the joy of the Lord to come, for him to fill our hearts with singing. It's hard at times when you're in that dark place. But through his precious promises, if you are in Christ, he's already there because he has promised never to leave you, never to forsake you that he does sing over you. Will you join with him in the singing? Will you join him in declaring love over you, being reminded of his love? You are his son, you are his daughter, whom he is well pleased in Jesus. Jesus is at the right hand in bodily form. He took on flesh, becoming like you, becoming like me. He knows the frailties of this life and the disappointments we experience. Jesus sympathized with our weaknesses because he is human just as you and I are, yet without sin. Jesus overcame the death on the cross and the tomb of the grave so that you and I are free to revel and delight in his holy name. Jesus lived a life that we could not live. He was perfect in every way, in every form, and fulfilled the truth of God. With this, he was the only fitting sacrifice for the brokenness, for the decay and the sin in the world, in you and in me. Jesus paid it all on the cross. When he hung there, the delightful singing stopped. For the joy that was set before him, Jesus did endure the cross, but the rejoicing was far from him when he was on the cross. The pleasures of the Father were cut off from him. The fullness of the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus during that time. My sin, your sin. Sins of saints before us, sins of saints that will come after us. Our debt was nailed on the tree. And Jesus, he died on that cross. Three days later, he rose victoriously from the grave. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and in me. This is our great hope that we have, that we can be at his right hand. He ascended up to heaven where he does sit at the right hand of the Father. He is the God of truth and grace. Do you recognize him today when you see him through scripture? Do you recognize him when you go about in the community, the marks of God, the creation scenes 
of God praises? Do you recognize the Creator's work? Do you recognize Jesus and one another here at Grace Meridian Hill? Do you recognize Jesus in yourself when you begin to look at the mirror and reflect upon your life and the, and the, and the, and the valleys that you've experienced and the darkness that you've experienced? Do you recognize the light of the Savior's love? He created you. Do you receive him today? By his grace, you are saved and forevermore. By his grace, we, our debt has been paid. Do you receive him today? Do you receive his suffering today? That's one thing that we as Christians, we are a part of in Jesus, his sufferings too. We experience suffering, but Christ has gone first before us. He feels the pangs of death. He feels the pangs of our anxiety. He feels the pangs of our disappointment. He's not far from us. He walks with us by his Holy Spirit. This is good news. Then revel in grace and in truth today. Revel in Jesus who sings over you with love. Join him in this singing today as we have done today already. Joining the praises of God unto him for our souls. Thanking him for all that he's done for us on the cross. Paying the debt for our sins. So he is our savior and he is our Lord. We appeal to him. He is the God of truth. And it's, it's his truth that we live by. It's his truth that we want, that we delight in, that we, we stand firm on because he keeps us there, doesn't he? He brings us around to it, to remain in the truth of his word. He is the divine logos, the creator, sustainer of the universe. And he's able to keep this globe spinning. He's able to keep you as well. Be hopeful in this. This is the good news of our Lord and Savior. This is the truth of God. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for how you do come and, and God, you invite us in to have this rich fellowship with you, to be at the banqueting table. God, we believe your precious promises today. We hold on to them because you have given us strength to do so. But we know that you are holding to us, that you will never let us go that you, O oh God, would carry out the good work that you started in us, to see it to completion. And there may be someone here who is investigating this, who is wondering about you, O oh Lord. We pray that you will make yourself known, that you will be revealed in Christ, that you will enlighten hearts here today, that we may be assured of your wistfulness and your presence. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.